Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 8718 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning, Minnie? I'm so, I'm good. I'm a bit sleepy, but I'm very good. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're, 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 oh, you're good. I went to sleepy. see someone, some friends last night, which was lovely, yes. but um, I was like, no, I'm definitely leaving by this time. Yes. Three and hours you later. Didn't. I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> see, it works like this when, you're, when, you do, when you do breakfast radio. Oh, yeah. Your social life is gone. <laughs> Which is ideal. It makes sense, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no social life. How are you feeling? I've this been morning? sleepy this morning, too. Mm. I ate way too late last night uh. and way too heavy. And then I dreamed all night and tossed and turned. And <laughs> yes, it was all my own fault. Definitely my own fault. What are you thankful for this morning? Okay, you know what I'm thankful for? I went to these um, friends for dinner last night. And normally when I come, I'm like, what can I contribute? And they're always like, nothing. And I'm like, no, I actually want to bring something. But they always say nothing. So then yesterday I just double-checked, hey, all good for tonight, Stu. And they're like, yeah. I was like, can I contribute something again, as usual? And they're like, yeah, you can bring dessert. And I was like, oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> and I'm thankful that it was tasty enough to be edible because I'm learning to cook, but it can be hit and miss. So I was like, praise the Lord. Thanks for flavors that work. <laughs> you know, it's nice to share things with people when it's it's enjoyable. Yes. It's, I mean, you can... So, 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 so if- <laughs> So if we say, uh, come over for a meal and you say, yeah, what can I bring? We're just like, yeah, no, you're good. No, I actually, look, I like to be able to contribute, but like, because I wasn't expecting anything. I was like, oh, yeah. I don't even have anything. Like, I don't eat dessert that much. Um, but yeah, so I was like, ah, what to do? But apple crumble, always, what? you can't go wrong. Oh, you can't go, oh, apple crumble? Mm. Yes, I love apple crumble. <laughs> Along with barbecues. We had barbecue for lunch yesterday with a group mm. of ministers. And we had the most epic barbecue ever. Huge shout out to Blake Penland this morning, who put on amazing barbecue. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so uh, tell us some positively different news this morning, Minnie. I will indeed. So there has been a 13-year-old boy who has been essentially doing his own business of mowing as many yards as possible to earn some money. This is a 13-year-old teenager in the US, and he's just been buying them... Uh, buying these mowers at yard sales and pawn shops. They kept breaking down. So he went to Lowe's, a hardware store, I guess, um, and was talking to just someone who worked there. And they're just having, you know, this grand old chat about his day and how it's been going and why he's looking for mowers. Like, he's this 13-year-old kid. Is it for his family? Da-da-da. And um, the person he spoke to ended up going home later and putting this um, Facebook post up saying, you know, you guys know how hot it was yesterday, right? This kid um, just mowed seven yards and then his mower broke. So when it broke, then he went to help um, level out a yard for a pool. And he worked there until like 11 p.m. So this is over summer, right? Like he wasn't at school. And this person was just completely blown away. They're like, this is a hardworking teenager. And so she and her team who work at Lowe's, are like, look, if he decides to buy a mower, we're going to sell it to whatever savings he has. And then they're like, hold on, let's just give it to him. Just and tell him the condition is that when he's old enough to legally get a job there, they come work for him. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, so they gave him this new mower. So um, you can't legally work at 13? Well, I thought you could, but apparently not at Lowe's. I don't know. But that, they Fair just enough. said that he can't yet, and so when he can. Um, what like, state was this in? I forgot to write it down. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, but yeah, and then 
she didn't put up anything on the post asking for donations, but a whole bunch of people just went, we really want to donate to this this 13-year-old um, boy. And they ended up raising over $2,000 to give to him. So that's going to buy a pretty – that's that, yeah. there's a ride-on right there. Yeah. I, I could buy a nice ride-on for $2,000. Yeah. But how I think well done him for like having the initiative yes. to go and be willing to work that hard. Because that can be a hard gig to be the one to put yourself out there to find people – I mean, maybe he just has lots of friends, but potentially he could just be having to knock on doors or just be like, hey, do you want your lawn mowed? And then being willing to work enough to do it. Um, maybe he's saving money for no, something. No, well know. done, well done. Mm. I, uh, my hat goes off to him. I think this kid is going to go a long way in life. Absolutely. He's learnt the value of labour. He's learnt the value of money. He's learnt the value of hard work. He's learnt the value of satisfaction from doing hard work. And as a result of that, he's got a job that's been offered to him Absolutely. in the future. You know, I, I would do the same thing. It's a very, very smart move by the staff of this particular store because you you know, know finding, you have a good, finding, good, finding mm. good workers is, is hard to find. Mm. Yeah. So I was like, well done him. Um, so our next story, in New Orleans. Have you been to New Orleans? Yes. Worked in New Orleans for a while. Oh, Yes. Pretty wild city. Yeah. Pretty wild city. I, I loved Back it. Back in 1992, 93, 93. Oh, that's when I was born. <laughs> there you go. In 93, I was working in New Orleans. There you go. So this is where this next story comes from. Um, I remember when I was there and I thought it was an amazing city. I thought I was in a movie. I was like, is this real? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like there was, I remember distinctly this one day I was at, um, you know, those cross intersections. And there was this guy just with his trombone just randomly starts walking in the middle of the street. And the cars just stop and wait for him. They weren't even mad. They're just like, okay, just a musician doing his thing. I was like, where have I come to? <laughs> but amazing, you know, all these musicians. I just you, were, you were in different parts of New Orleans than where I was. Well, see, I started to go explore some other parts. And then some people started to warn me about yes. certain parts. So I what, wasn't. What year were you there? 2016. Okay. Oh, that's not so long ago. Mm. Yeah, all right. So post Katrina. Yeah, yes. Different city. Yes. Um, so really interesting. I would love to go there and spend more time, but, um, that's one thing I noticed was how at face value things can be like, oh, this is lovely and creative and great, but there's this kind of darker side to it. Anyway, so there is a New Orleans musician whose name is Shamar Allen. So he is a music producer and songwriter and he grew up kind of in the not great area of New Orleans. And he said that the trumpet saved his life. Like it just gave him a picture of the opportunity that is a different world to what he lived in and so he recently there was a nine-year-old boy who was killed by gun violence I don't know what that looked like um um and he has a nine-year-old daughter and so he was really concerned that he's like you know like it just it, it, it just hits differently when you know someone who's so, so isn't isn't this the guy that uh isn't this the guy that um has been buying trumpets and yes have you heard trumpets? this story I have heard this story this oh, is a really cool story okay yeah so Continue that, on. That's, that's, no, it was an amazing story. It was just so he's given like seven or eight trumpets away. Yeah, yeah. Because it changed his life, and he's wanting to yeah. like change other people's lives. Yep. Yeah. Now that's a very very cool story. It only just popped up on my news feed, so I was like, "This is amazing." <laughs> sometimes, sometimes these, sometimes different news feeds um, pop things up in different places. They do. It's but no, it's a, it's a cool story. <laughs> and one of the things that you know, because I worked in New Orleans for a while, and. Uh, I was working in some fairly sketchy places, so mm. just to, just to paint a picture, um, we turned up at our accommodation. So um, this this uh, friend of a friend said, "Yeah, you can come stay at our place uh, while you're working in New Orleans." It was a friend of a friend of a friend, actually. 
It wasn't Brilliant. even a friend of a friend. It was it was three friends removed. But he was like, yeah, yeah, come and stay. Mm. Come and stay. And he says, when you get onto such and such an interstate, uh, roll up your windows and lock your doors. And if somebody bumps you, just drive to a police station. Don't stop. Oh. I'm like, okay. Brilliant. <laughs> All right. This is interesting. So this is, this is 92, 93 thereabouts. And so um, there's three of us that are driving down there. And there's so there's myself, the Aussie. Mm-hmm. There's this um, skinny little Korean guy, and this huge African American guy from uh, he come from a bad part of uh, LA. He was mm-hmm. where he'd grown up. So um, we drive down there. This is before GPSs. We've got directions written on a piece of paper, but which I lost. Oh, so then I've got okay. to try and <laughs> try and find this place by memory. And New Orleans, a big city. Mm. Driving through, uh, get lost in a ghetto, stop at a servo at like one o'clock in the morning to try and ask for directions or buy a map. And um, I'm like, oh, Kenny, who's this big African-American guy, um, run and ask for directions and, and buy us a map because I'm just sort of looking around like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, nah, because I'm not getting out of the car. This is, I am not getting out of the car. <laughs> oh, it was full on. It was uh, it was just a grand adventure, though. Oh yeah. Um, of course, we were down there selling Christian books and uh, had some amazing experiences doing just that. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. David Haupt is our regular on Wednesdays, and he had to go in for an operation, so our prayers are with him. Not able to join us today, and because of that. Uh, we did pre-record this interview before he went into hospital, and we actually pre-recorded it many before you were here. Mm. Um, and so Angela was uh, here, and she did the pre-record. So it's super good to have uh, Angela back on again this morning with this, uh, bringing us this interview. All right, for this interview this morning, um, we have David Hop joining us again. Uh, David, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about your um, depression and anxiety recovery program and how um, depression and anxiety is such a struggle in our world today and how there is a program out there to help and empower people um, to change their lifestyle and have their lifestyle back in their own hands. And I personally um, was very, very um, excited to have this tool in my toolbox, especially going um, into America where it's really rough and working with teens again, I have to say that knowing how to help them overcome depression and anxiety is um, extremely empowering. And I'm just um, curious, what gave you the passion to want to train others in this program? And I'm so glad for the opportunity to to share just a little bit about myself. Um, I carry the belief that God never, um, you know, wastes our pain, that when we go through pain, that in actual fact, it is an activation towards service, towards ministry. And uh, many, many years ago, when I was a young man, just married, my wife and I pregnant with our first child, my wife became very sick. And um, it took years uh, for doctors to find out uh, what was really happening with her. Uh, I actually started to do research, and that is where my interest in psychology and counseling started, was in actual fact, not to help other people, but purely to help my wife. Um, what she was battling with was the professor of psychiatry had said the worst form of depression and anxiety that he had ever experienced and uh, that she would never, ever be able to live without medication. I'm talking here about uh, 35 uh, years ago, 
and uh, I am happy to report to your listeners that my wife had not used any antidepressant or any anti-anxiety medication for the past 29 years. So I guess my activation, my interest started first to help my wife. And out of that, I believe God uses our most painful experience actually to prepare us for unique ministries to help other people. Yeah, that's such a powerful story. What a terrible thing to happen. You know, often when we have big tragedies, it's super hard to get out of the tragedy. But what you did is you turned um, a devastating tragedy into really almost a reshaping of your life, right? Um, You weren't doing anything like this before. We we so often talk about uh, you know post traumatic stress disorders. We we talk so easily about mental disorders, but what if we can reframe that and we can, in actual fact, discover a blessing that is hidden in that trauma or in that emotional pain? So uh, I'm focusing nowadays more and more not on post traumatic stress disorder. Not that my wife went through post traumatic stress, but um, what about post-traumatic growth Mm. in Mm. other words that we can grow from our pain grow out of our greatest difficulties of our life definitely you know i love to get um, lessons from nature and australia has experienced some pretty terrible fires recently and i have learned that in some ecosystems fires are exactly what is needed in order for new growth to happen so I've applied that to my own life. And, you know, when I go through different tragedies, they are fires and they are ugly and they leave scars. But the new yeah. growth that comes out of that fire, I wouldn't change for anything. Now, I'm not asking for that fire in my life, believe me. But the new growth, um, I just appreciate on a very different level because of the fire. It's very interesting that you mentioned that uh, my last indigenous uh, residential program that I ran for depression anxiety we focused on in, in specifically on trauma and the impact of trauma and um, one of the participants wrote to me later on uh, because just after we completed that program the destructive fires hit Australia and it just seemed as though it just kept on burning the more the firefighters tried to kill it the more it burned Mm. and uh, this lady her whole entire property when she returned home was just decimated the house was still there but it was just blackened everything around her she battled with severe uh, post-traumatic stress disorder uh, before and this just catapulted her back and she sent me a message she says there's no worth in living Mm. Uh, just look at this destruction around me and I asked I said please keep your mobile on I want you to go out into the bush to the closest tree that has been scorched and burned black tell me what you see and she went up and she said all I can see is black I said is there no new growth there? Mm. Ah, she said, there's something green starting to come out. This is about a week after the fire. I said, is it possible that that tree is resilient against all the harshness that they have been thrown at? Um, Is it possible that your life can be the same if you allow it also for new growth to take place? Mm. She came back, she wept, she said, you know what, I learned my greatest lesson today. I actually need to go daily into that bush and learn from that tree. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, there's a um, a tree in Michigan called the Jack Pine Tree, and the only way that it can regenerate is by either extreme cold, like an ice age, or by fire. Mm. And they weren't, you know, allowing fires in Michigan. Of course, who wants fires to happen? And they found that they were getting more pests. And they're like, what's going on? And this because there's a certain bird called the Kirkland Warbler that only yes. can nest in baby trees um, of the jack pine tree. And so when they stopped the fires, then jack pine trees weren't able to continue to regenerate. And then there was no Kirkland Warblers, which means there was more pests for the crops. So it's yeah, very yeah. much fires are needed. Yeah. Yeah. So um, along that, um, there's some quotes when I took um, your um, training program a couple weeks ago that I really um, enjoyed and inspired me. So I'm just going to read a couple back to you. You said, I could not stand in front of you without the pain that has crafted who I am. Angela, where I come from is a country known for its violence for its racial hatred and the pain that I have experienced over a very short period of time um, normally would crush uh, us as human beings if we do not allow God to craft us. Um, I remember when I went back to my home country to bury my brother's daughter, his eldest child, who was um, in a gap year, given a life to God and was working for God in his service and in service lost her life. Mm. And my brother asked me and said, will you please bury her? And I opened my Bible after praying and said, Lord, lead me to a message. And my Bible fell open at Romans 8, 28, that says, mm. and all will work for good. Now, how is it possible that that death of that young girl uh, could work for good? Um, in a period of eight years, I have lost nine family members, two of them gruesomely tortured and murdered. How can that work for good? How can it work for good when your child is sexually abused, when uh, major atrocities take place? How, 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 how is it possible I wrestled with God on these things, and um, I realized that those were crafting moments. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that after Paul had described the gospel story of that being a good news of, of salvation in Christ Jesus, a free gift, he says that all of us have been crafted in Christ Jesus for good work. I have discovered that my greatest pain in God's hand is an actual fact crafting moment. Uh, I have discovered that in my own personal experience that while I was still grappling, working through some major pain in my life, that I'm able to work with someone who has a very similar, sometimes far less pain in their life. But because of my pain, I had the advantage of being able to understand where they're at and guide them through that. And when I run these programs, I share part of my life story because most of the people are drawn to this kind of ministry because of their, their pain. And by sharing my story, I actually realized that God can use it in order to bring change in people's lives. Definitely. Amen. You know, um, we have really two choices in life, either to be a victim 
or to use um, our tragedy to empower us and to touch others. Um, and often I think we, it just becomes very difficult and we just sit there and, and wallow in the struggle instead of um, yeah, remembering that there are people around us who desperately need to hear our stories. The paralysis that comes with major pain in our life actually means that that person who was, um, that, that was, you know, uh, I'm lacking now the English word. <laughs> uh, that person that had uh, done those atrocities to us, that that person is in reality still in control of your life. Mm. I look as I regularly work with people, victims of childhood sexual abuse, that they live their life as victims, which actually means that the perpetrator is still in control of their life. And the perpetrator doesn't even know. (laughs) Exactly. What if they, by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, can in actual fact turn their greatest pain into the greatest gain. In other words, they use that as a crafting moment and activate themselves towards ministry in God's hand to help people that are going through similar experiences. What they will experience is that they actually become free because they have set that individual free from having that control over their life and they become free themselves. Mm. Yes. We shall know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. Yeah. So another quote that you said, is Satan using your past to manipulate you? Satan is using my past experiences because by using my past, he actually holds me from being able to live to the destiny and the goal to which God has created us. Let's use the topic of shame, for instance. Shame from a psychological perspective says that I'm defective, I'm deficient, I'm flawed, I don't measure up, I'll never be good enough. A child that has been sexually abused as as a child, as an adult, still lives with that shame. And that is what Satan used, that belief system, that that um, event that took place at a young age actually is holding me back from being able to reach the goal that God has designed me for. Mm. I, I want to suggest to your listeners to rebel against that, uh, that enslavement with which Satan enslaves you with and accept the goal, the, the crafting in God's hand. Yes, there's no greater joy than living in God's purpose for your life. Oh, I have found that over and over and over in my life. Even though my life may not always be going the way I want it to go, when I am walking in God's will, there is true joy. True joy. Amen. So what has given you the greatest amount of joy from sharing this program? Angela, when I see on that first night when people walk into our depression recovery programs or even that first day when people um, register for the 10-day residential program and I see the despondency and I see the downcastness, I see people that that are at the edge of wanting to end their life, that don't believe that anything good can come out of this. And you see them a few days later, vibrant, with faces shining, with laughter in their voice. 
Mm. And I realize that God is busy transforming their life. And I, I see them activating to go back into their community to make a difference in the lives of their community. Because I challenge them. As I share my story and as I stand in front of them as a broken person healed by Christ, and I challenge them to surrender their brokenness in God's hand and to accept the newfound joy in Christ. Uh, and, 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 and they take that on and they go back into the community. That gives me joy. Yes, and that is the work of Jesus in our hearts, is, is transforming the results of living in a sinful world to joy and purpose that Satan cannot destroy. And Angela, I, I need to say to your listeners that I have no ability to transform human lives. Mm. I have no healing power. I present them to him who has the ability to heal. And that person is only Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, just one more time. Where can we access this program? I would like to suggest to your listeners that the easiest way that you can access this program is by knocking on the door of your local Seventh-day Adventist church and ask them whether they are running this program or whether they know of a neighboring church running this program. Predominantly, we are running these programs from out of our Seventh-day Adventist churches or our Seventh-day Adventist churches are uh, have a team that's been trained up to conduct this program for the community. I want to say to uh, our community listeners that are not members of this church that this is often the scariest moment is to connect with another denomination. Um, I want to suggest to you that our people are trained up not to proselyte, but to present this program in order to help you to overcome depression and anxiety. The reason why I train people in church settings is that they actually are normally the people that have compassion and empathy because their leader is the most compassionate leader. Jesus Christ is the most compassionate, caring God that you can find. And I hope that they will find healing for themselves as well. Amen. Well, thank you so much, David. Our time has gone. Just a reminder, God never wastes our pain in his, and through our wounds, he can activate, activate us to do incredible things through him. This is Randy Travis with Through the Fire. So many times I've questioned certain circumstances or things I could not understand Many times in trials weakness blurs my vision and my frustration gets so out of hand It's then I am reminded I've never been forsaken I've never had to stand the test alone As I look at all the victories The Spirit rises up in me It's through the fire my weakness is made strong He never promised That the cross would not get heavy Or the hill would not be hard to climb 
victory without fighting But he said help would always come in time Just remember when you're standing In the valley of decision And the adversary says give in Just hold on Our Lord will show up And he will take you through the fire again I know within myself that I would surely perish If I trust the hand of God He'll shield the flames again He never promised that the cross would not get heavy Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is now time for... Question of the Day. Okay, so this question that's come in is, okay, how can God be God and Jesus be God at the same time? Uh, How can they both be God? Uh, This is a really good question. If you go to Revelation chapter 1, and there's a lot of different places in the Bible where we can look at this. In fact, before I go to Revelation 1, I'm going to go to Genesis. Uh, we're going to start in Genesis. Oh, this is going to be hard to get this in in time. So we're going to go fast. The Bible says in Genesis 1, 1 and verse 26, God said, let us. Let's stop there. Us. Mm. Singular or plural? Plural. Plural. Plain and simple. Right the way through here, Genesis chapter 1, it is plural. All the way through. God is plural. God is more than one. That's the first principle that we find here. The Bible says, in the beginning, God, that's the Father, created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit, moved on the face of the waters. The Bible says, by him was nothing created. All things that were created in heaven and earth were created by Jesus Christ. All three members of the Godhead right there. Um, How do you have three that are one? The answer is found in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. The Bible says that we as humans are made in the image of God and that ability for plural to be singular is something that has been given to us as human beings. The Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall stick to his wife and they shall be one. Mm. That's two. That's plural, but they're one. But they're one. And so in a perfect marriage relationship where there is no sin involved, there is a oneness that takes place there that is, you know, entirely, they become just one in thought and action indeed, perfectly united together. Okay, what about Jesus being God and God being God, God the Father being God, is probably a more uh, accurate way of stating this. 
The key word here in this passage is the word and. The Bible says, uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace and peace be multiplied unto you from. It's going to tell you who the letter is from. Who's mm. the book of Revelation from? Him which was, is, and is to come. That's the first person it's from. Then it says, and from the seven spirits. The seven spirits is just another way of describing the Holy Spirit. So, and from the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and from Jesus Christ. Hmm. So you've got him which was, is, and is to come, and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ. The word and there gives you three distinct persons. Aye. Follow so far? Yes. Good. All right. Uh, We know who Jesus Christ is. We know who the Holy Spirit is. Who is him which was, is, and is to come? It's got to be God the Father. That's God the Father. Mm. Very, very simple right here. You've Mm. got all three members of the Godhead. The book of Revelation is written to us from all three members of the Godhead right here. And the Father is described as him which was, is, and is to come. In the language of this verse, it is impossible for him which was, is, and is to come to be a reference to Jesus Christ. It can only be a reference to the Father. Mm. Then if you go down to uh, verse 8, the Bible says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. So then who would that be? That's talking about Jesus, no? It is. Mm. But, but I want you to notice God. here that it has exactly the same, Jesus has exactly the same title, mm-hmm. him which was, is, and is to come. And what else does the Bible say that Jesus is? Jesus is the Almighty. The Almighty. Now, we know that this is Jesus here because it says, uh, it says, I am Alpha and Omega. If you go to verse 11, it says, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in the book, send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. I turned to see the voice that spoke that said, I am Alpha and Omega, and uh, saw seven golden candlesticks. In the middle of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man. Mm. Who's the Son of Man? That's Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. The Alpha and the Omega is the him is the one which was, is, and is to come. But in the first four and five, Jesus is separate from him, which was, is, and is to come. So what you find is that Jesus is called him which was, is, and is to come, as also is the Father. Jesus is called Yahweh in the Bible. The same as the Father is. Go to, have we got time here? No, we don't have time. Uh, go to the book of Genesis, read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Hmm. The Bible says that Yahweh rained fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from Yahweh in heaven. <laughs> you got Yahweh on earth, Yahweh, Yahweh in, heaven. in heaven. They are both Yahweh, they are both Jehovah, they are both the Almighty, they are both Him which was and is and is to come. They are both God. 